How was Thanksgiving? Good? Delicious? That's good. It's kind of interesting to me that uh, kind of Thanksgiving, it's become this pivot point, right? Um, it is the day on which from that day on, we're allowed to do Christmas things. <laughs> as, as long as it is the day after Christmas, it's all good. Um, Everything, Christmas is fair game. Putting up decorations and lights, uh, buying presents. Uh, Perhaps some of you bought Christmas trees already. You play Christmas music the day before, and you're a Christmas nut. The day after, you're full of Christmas cheer. But I wonder if we aren't rushing it. Now, I don't mean that we shouldn't begin. Um, but my question is, is, is how is it that we're going about uh, these preparations? Is it a to-do list for you? Get out the decorations. Check. Set up the tree. Check. Gifts. Check. 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 Or are you intentionally preparing for the coming of the one true king. Because preparing the house, friends, can be a spiritual discipline. Preparing the house, getting ready for Advent, for the coming of the one true king, can be a spiritual discipline. Or it can be just another chore. Americans this year will spend upwards of $465 billion on gifts. Yeah. You know, and and buying and giving gifts can be a form of sacrificial love. Will it be that for you this year? Are you going to practice the spiritual discipline of doing without yourself so that you can buy gifts for others? Or will you live the way that you normally live and buy Christmas presents, perhaps going into debt? Will it be a spiritual discipline for you? Or will it be another item on the to-do list? Will Christmas this year just be an excuse to consume more food and drink than we should? Or will it be a reason to prepare for the coming of the one true king? Friends, how we approach these next five weeks matters. So we're going to make this turn. We're going to make this pivot together, um, both socially, right? Uh, Department stores have their Christmas decorations up. They're all the holiday trappings. We've got Christmas on Las Olas coming up this week. I do hope that you will come out and check out the booth that our membership committee is setting up and say something nice. But we'll also make this turn, this pivot liturgically in our worship, in our study of scripture. Now, this morning's reading comes from this week's gospel selection in the revised common lectionary. And I invite you now to turn in your Bibles that you've brought from home uh, to John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Now, this may feel a little bit funny because... uh, 
in today's text that we're going to read in just a moment, uh, we find Jesus interacting with Pilate. So today's Revised Common Lectionary text takes place in Jesus' last days. Not as part of the Christmas narrative, but rather as a part of the Passion narrative. Many of us are busy preparing for Christmas, and yet the Revised Common Lectionary points us here to this text in the 18th chapter of John. Because, friends, today is Christ the King Sunday. Appropriate to the Sunday before the beginning of Advent, we are challenged to focus and contemplate the kingship of Jesus Christ over all. So I invite you to turn to John chapter 18, beginning at verse 33, we read, Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our scripture this morning is a dialogue between a secular leader and a religious leader. It's a dialogue about kingship and about truth. Two concepts that, frankly, are pretty foreign to us now. What is a king? In many ways, royalty now has become nothing more than a matter of pop culture and celebrity. Uh, We really don't need to look any further than the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, right? How many of you woke up early to watch live? Yeah. Um, And I've been waiting for an excuse to use this in a sermon. But did you know that KFC even had a commemorative bucket of chicken for the occasion? (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. It says, we declare a regal day of celebration, jubilation, and fried chicken. (laughs) Royalty was not always looked at this way, right, as entertainment. In the ancient Near East, kingship or monarchy was almost the exclusive form of government, uh, typically handed down in dynastic fashion uh, from father to son. And so if the crown moved out of the family, it was typically because of violent overthrow. So Pilate's question here in chapter 18, at least in part, is political in nature. 
he is not himself a Jew, but he sees that Jesus, who does not appear to be a king, and he's trying to understand Jesus' motives. Does he mean to lead an uprising? After all, that was how you became king if your family wasn't the ruling family. But that's not what this Jesus indicates here. In verse 36, Jesus says, My kingdom is not from this world. And goes on to say that, that his kingdom will not be established by fighting or by force. The kingdom of God will not be established by force. I want to ask this morning for us to consider how has the church gotten that wrong in the past? Hmm. Where and when and how do we, even today, use our faith as a weapon? Perhaps even in small ways, and this is something that I've been guilty of, even using the phrase Merry Christmas as a weapon, as if I'm offended when someone wishes me happy holidays, I reply, Merry Christmas. As if to say, I'll show you the reason for the season. <laughs> but how, you know, how is that really helpful, right? Like, what are we accomplishing? Is that some sort of evangelistic tool? Like, oh, now I'll come to church. But back to our conversation about kings. So monarchs, they were considered to be owners of the lands and the areas they ruled with final authority over their subjects and their subjects' property. The king's power was absolute, unquestioned. At both our 8.30 service and our 11 o'clock service today, we're welcoming new members. And the first question that I'll ask is, who is your Lord and Savior? I could say, or I could ask, who is your king and savior? The answer, of course, is, is Jesus Christ. Several weeks ago, I shared that we are really comfortable with Jesus as savior and not so much with Jesus as Lord or Jesus as king. We really like to answer yes to that savior part. Is Jesus your king? What areas of your life have you given over to the kingship of Jesus? Because, friends, he won't take it by force. So what parts have you given over? Is he king of your Sunday? Or perhaps king of your Sunday morning? Is he king of your Monday through Friday? of your work, of your time at school? Is Jesus king of your family, king of your marriage, king of your relationships? Is Jesus king of your social life? Or perhaps better, is Jesus king of your social media life? Is Jesus king of your time, 
your finances. Subjects are supposed to know who their kings are. Because kings also know who their people are. And they had a responsibility to them to protect them, to provide for them, to uphold justice. If you are willing to make Jesus king, he promises all that and more. He promises to be savior. In verse 37, Pilate asked him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. For this I was born. For truth. The birth of Jesus is about truth. Christmas is about the revealing of truth. But we, we live in a world where truth is under attack. Um, we've come to value relativism above absolute truth. And that is the notion that what may be true for you might not be true for me, right? Perhaps you've said that before. You know, there's this widely held belief now in our current cultural context that um, particularly when it comes to religion, that to claim to have absolute truth is extremist or arrogant. In fact, it is valued to say that all faiths point to the same God rather than any one of them understanding the full picture. Perhaps you've discussed that very topic as a, at, a, at a cocktail party. Perhaps it seemed like a revelation the first time you heard it. Now, I don't want to go too far down a philosophical wormhole here, but the interesting thing about relativism is that ultimately it itself is an exclusive truth claim because it maintains that relativism, above all else, is the exclusive truth. It actually negates itself. I'm going to say that again because it's a little confusing when I say it. Relativism is also ultimately an exclusive truth claim because it maintains that relativism, relativism above all else, is the exclusive truth. As we mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier, historically, we as Christians have been guilty of, of tarnishing the truth that Jesus testifies to. Horrific things have been done in the name of Jesus Christ and in defense of Christian dogma and principles. Leslie Newbegin is a British missionary um, and author, and in his book, The Gospel in a Pluralist Society, he writes this. Part of the reason... For the rejection of Christian dogma is that it has for so long been entangled with coercion, with political power, and so the denial of freedom. Freedom of thought and freedom of conscience. 
He goes on to say, we must affirm the gospel as truth, universal truth, truth for all peoples and for all times, but we negate the gospel if we deny the freedom in which alone it can truly be believed. Hear that again. We negate the gospel if we deny the freedom in which it alone can be believed. The truth comes to us freely. You cannot fight to decide what is true. You cannot buy it. You cannot win it. You cannot even earn it. Truth is, well, truth. It exists separate and apart from us. It is not owned by political parties or candidates. The statement is not, we have truth on our side. The question is, will we stand on the side of truth? The way that we live our lives will proclaim the truth about who our king is. This conversation recounted by the gospel writer between Pilate and Jesus, between the secular and the religious, is the same conversation that will play out for each and every one of us over the next five weeks. How you allocate your resources, particularly your time and your finances, will testify to the truth regarding who your king is. We have the next five weeks to prepare. At First Presbyterian Church, your staff and leaders are committed to providing you with the tools so that you do not miss the coming of the King. There will be opportunities here to serve. As you walk out these doors today, you will see the angel tree set up. I invite you to engage. Friends, we'll have a, a party right here where we will come and we'll serve our angel tree families. There will be opportunities for worship and for fellowship. Our Hanging of the Green service is next Sunday. We'll have a Christmas concert here in which we celebrate the great tradition of music that we have here in this church. We'll have four worship services on Christmas Eve. Four! Right! We'll have opportunities for study. A week from Wednesday night, we will begin our church-wide Advent Bible study. That means it's for you. Church-wide. We want to provide you with a theological framework for how to prepare your heart and mind this Christmas season. Join us. We've prepared these opportunities specifically for you so that we might join together and prepare for the coming of the one true king. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks that you've provided both a savior and a king. Lord, help open our hearts to the understanding that this is good news, that your kingship is good news. And as we step into this Advent season, help us to be intentional and focused with the way 
that we use our resources of time, our resources of, of, of treasure, so that ultimately we might know who you are. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 